So Netflix's latest earnings report, they had something to say about both Apple and Disney's new streaming device. Let's take a look in today's episode of Buy or Pass, what they had to say. Let's begin. Hey guys, my name's Jose and this is another episode of Buy or Pass. This series, I would look at the financial documents of a company and decide if I was looking for another investment. Would I buy or would I pass? Before we start, don't forget to hit that subscribe button to get info on new episodes and other videos. So let's begin. So today's going to be a two-part episode. This two-part episode is going to be on Netflix, Netflix latest earnings report. So first, we're going to take a look at Netflix's latest shareholder report, which was given out during their earnings. And then the second part episode, we'll take a look at the actual numbers of what the company is providing. All right, guys, here we are in Netflix shareholders letter that was posted April 16, 2019. This was the day they reported earnings. So I already took the liberty to highlight the main important features for you guys. So you guys don't have to take a look at the um, at the whole report as a whole. If you guys want me to post this um, this information with the highlighted information, feel free to email me at josenaharo at msn.com or just post a comment on the YouTube channel. Just check Jose Naharo and you'll find me there if you want to see this, if you want me to post this um, this highlighted already shareholder, shareholder meeting. So here we'll take a look at revenue growth. Revenue growth this quarter 2019 was pretty low at 22.2%. So here we can take a look that 22.2% is a lot lower compared to previous quarters. But since quarter one 2018 to quarter one 2019, it has been Increasing year-to-year growth. Quarter one, 2018 was 40.4 percent. Quarter two, 18, 40.3 percent. Quarter three, 18, 34 34.0 percent. And quarter four, 18, 27.4 percent. So we can see the past year year-to-year growth has been at a nice at a at a, at a fast rate in my my opinion. Right, seeing it just a year ago at 40.4 percent to now at 20.2 percent. It's definitely um, a slowdown happening and not something it's it's been happening quarter per quarter for quarter two 2019 they do forecast them to see an increase to 26.1 percent and we'll take we'll take a look at them next quarter but 26.1 percent is definitely high they're still expecting revenue growth to increase so that means um their global streaming pay membership should also be increasing Next, we'll take a look at operating margins. We can see Q1, Q2, and Q3. The average operating margin percent is about 12%. In Q4 2018, it dropped to 5.2%. And Q1 2019 wasn't any much better. It's still above below, it's still below that 12% average, sitting at 10.2%. In 2000, in quarter, the second quarter of 2019, they expected to go back up to 12.5%. So that's definitely a good thing, right? We don't want to see, um, we want to see operating margin at least stay within that, that average that is maintained at 12%. Global stream paid membership, we can see numerically wise dollar per dollar. It has been in Q1 2018, it's 118 million. Q1 2019 is almost 30, 30 million to 148.86 million. And they still see an increase in Q2. Year to year growth is 
slowing down, but not at a at a at a fast pace compared to um, revenue. Year year growth in quarter one eighteen was twenty six percent, followed by twenty five point five six, twenty five point four, twenty five point nine between quarter two and quarter four two thousand eighteen, respectively. But here in Q1 2019, we're sitting at 25.2. So we can see we're between that 25 average. That's actually a pretty good. Unfortunately, for quarter two 2019, they do see a 23.7% year-to-year growth. That's, again, pretty low. It's definitely showing a little slowdown happening. But overall, the membership, um, their global streaming paid membership is increasing. So that's still a great thing to see. Net cash flow used um, from operating activities, they're still reporting a loss that net cash flow. They have yet produced positive net cash flow from operating activities. And this is my favorite cash flow to see operating activities because this is from their everyday use. So right now, they're in 2019, they're sitting at a loss of $380 million compared to quarter four, which was sitting at $1.2 billion dollars so it's definitely they definitely saved some some net cash flow in operating this year in this quarter but we'll take a look at why in a bit it's definitely not a good reason why they save so much some money um do think that they're still going to be spending a lot of money but compared to quarter one 2018 it was at 247 loss so even year to year quarter this company is still bleeding money which is not a great thing and then tomorrow's episode, we'll take a look at the numbers in previous quarter to see if quarter one is normally the lowest loss of the quarter and does they start increasing every other quarter for the year. So maybe Q2, they did not expect the forecast for Q2 net cash flow, which to me is a scary thing, but we'll see if on average Q2 is higher than Q2. Next, we'll take a look here at their Q1 results and Q2 forecast. Like I mentioned, in Q1 2019, average stream paid membership increased 26% year over year. That is definitely a great thing. And their avenue, average revenue per users, ARPU, decreased 2% year over year. And the main reason they're saying is just the overall global market currency is a major path. It's a major impact. If they didn't put this global market shifting in in their numbers, um, ARPU, average revenue per users, would have improved 3% year over year, 2% sequentially. Um, operating margins of 10.2%, of we did mention, right, their operating margin for Q1 was 10.2, even though their last quarter was 5.2%. Here they mentioned it did exceed their beginning expectations. But the reason they, it, it was so high was because some of the spending that they were supposed to use in this quarter was shifted to later on in the year. So we're going to see that operating margin be a little lower in the next few quarters just because the expenses they used this quarter, were the, the expenses they were supposed to write down on this quarter were, did not happen, but it has been pushed on to later in the year. Paid net ads were $9.6 million in Q1 up 16% year over year, representing a new quarter record. For Q2, they are projected to pay net ads of, to increase their total paid net ads of $5.0 million. With this, this will put them at $14.6 million 
for the first half of 2019, up 7% year over year. And here they made a pretty nice graph. So it forecasted our, our on point, then we're still trending higher than 2017's paid net and 2018's paid net ads. They are waking their way through a series of price increase in the US, Brazil, Mexico, and parts of Europe. So here in the United States, we did see them already have a price increase. And before they did the price increase in the US, they did it in Canada to see, um, just I guess for testing, to test how, how things should react. And so far in the US, it's tracking similar to what they saw in Canada in Q4 18 increase. Their gross additions are unaffected and they see some modest short-term churn effects as member consensus of price change. Alright, due to the price increase, some members stop their membership, but eventually they do come back. They always come back. They do forecast acceleration in both streaming ARPU on their average revenue per user. Like we mentioned in Q1, it was negative 2%. For this past for this quarter, they are expecting it to be positive 2%. Total revenue growth to increase by 26% um, versus their 22%. Uh, so they are expecting both ad average revenue per, per user increase and revenue growth as a whole. That's definitely a, a great thing to see. And excluding currency, they do forecast revenue to be up 7 ARPU to be up 7% compared to the 3% that it was this past quarter. Their full 2019 operating margin target is 13% and is still unchanged. This is what they mentioned in previous earnings, which means that they do expect operating margins in the second half of the year to be higher than the first half. So to me, this seems to be a little scary, right? They are saying, right, they want to achieve a 13% annual operating margins. Uh, right now for Q1, they have 10.2% and for Q2, they have 12.5%. So for them to reach an annual 13%, they have to have about 14 to high 14s to 15% operating margins in Q3 and Q4 of 2019. This is something I am definitely going to take a look forward, forward in their next earnings report to see how their forecasts for Q3 are. Because if for Q3 they provide a forecast of 12.5%, that means for Q4 it needs to have about 17 to 16% operating margins for them to achieve that 13%. And as we can see from past data, it has an average of 12%. So for them to achieve something like that, for me seems almost impossible if they don't manage their Q3 profit margins and Q4 profit. Um, so it's definitely something to take a look. In content, they do continue to see big success across the programming categories for Q1 2019 in English language. They did premiere the Big Hit Umbrella Academy, which has been watched by 45 million members in the first four weeks of service. They talk about their other movies like Triple Frontier, which was their cute, their blockbuster compared to Bird Box, which has been watched by 52 um, million over the first four um, weeks of Netflix. They have The Highwayman, which was watched um, by 40 million members in its first month. They can, again, they continue to talk about some of their other originals and how great they're doing in the U.S. They also talk about making more original content in other, other languages. For example, there is this cooking competition, Nailed It, 
and they're doing the locally version for Mexico, France, Germany, and Spring. They did already for Nailed It Mexico, which achieved three times more first month watchers in Mexico than the dub version in US. And they again continue to talk about more of their originals, non-English non language, and how it has been a huge success. So they are producing, and finally they do mention they are thrilled for the creators and contents that they're being recognized for their work. Last year, Netflix became the most nominated network at the Emmys and now has tied to become the number two most nominated studio at the Oscars. They tie for both most wins and in both, including major Oscar wins and best director and best, cinematograph um, best cinematographer for Roma, which also won for best foreign language feature. So this is pretty good, right? This company, it's outside the Hollywood realm, but it's still being recognized in these big Hollywood title awards which is a great thing i thought it was gonna it wasn't gonna happen just because hollywood as a whole seems to be pretty uptight but it's great they are producing more original content which is great thing to see but we'll see it does come at a cost in a bit marketing their cmo kelly bennett is retiring after a seven year run i do not like this one bit ted serrano's is gonna take lead um, has taken the lead for the past 20 years on content. He's led content and is ready to run both content and marketing while he searches for a new CMO. So Ted Serrano's right. This is, he already has a big part of managing content. Now he's going to manage marketing. For me, for such a big company, I think this is pretty amateur play, right? You don't want a big top guy playing two, two important roles, right? You can't be a master in two crafts. You don't have to only focus in one craft as a whole that is definitely a scary thing for this person kelly bennett to be retiring i mean she would have provided some form of early retirement letter to let the company know that she was retiring to give the company enough time to have a new cmo before she left but no this company is going to have ted serrano's run both Content and marketing, which I think having leadership in two important roles is not a great thing. Next, we'll talk about products and partnerships. So they are they do explain how they Netflix is provided in certain bundles, and it is helping Netflix distribute itself through ten different operator bundles across the globe. They do say to date these bundles have provided a positive effect on their business. They do don't provide an actual number, but they do say it drives incremental acquisitions as similar economics to other partnerships where Netflix is offered. So here, right, uh, like for example, yes, I still have cable, with, but with my cable, they had, um, they had a feature where they would pay my Netflix for a month, for a year, sorry, for a year. So Netflix has other bundles like this, maybe sometimes unrelated, maybe they might have like a bundle with some gaming streaming device and now with um, their video streaming device. So we can see that we can see that that's helping out, and that's actually a smart move, right? They have they use other providers as well to 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 market for them, and it is providing for them a positive positive similar economic values. In two thousand nine, in quarter two two thousand nineteen, they are going to provide do a new test to improve um, their UK members' experience. So they're testing out in UK. By releasing weekly top 10 list of the most popular content. 
So this is a great thing, right? Uh, one of the main problems I do see in Netflix is people end up watching the same thing over and over again, or they just don't know what to pick and spending too much time choosing a title. But by providing this, it's gonna help the consumer provide a choosing a title even easier. After a few months of tests, they'll decide whether to ex end or expand the test. I do think this is going to be a positive result. I would definitely like it. So after they do UK, I'm pretty sure we're going to see it in the US from time to time in the, in the near future. Finally, they talk about competition. Recently, we've heard that both Apple and Disney are going to unveil, uh, have unveiled their direct-to-consumer subscription video service. And both companies are class consumer brands and they're excited to compete. This is crazy. I do like hearing this. This company is not scared of the competition and they're ready to go head to head against Apple and Disney. In my mind, I do think Disney has a higher, a higher chance against Apple and Netflix just because they have so much original content already, right? Disney owns so much, so much content and, it's, and this, is, this company is ready to go. But I, originally, I was scared for Netflix. I was scared for Netflix before reading this because I did think that Disney was gonna take some chunk out of Netflix. But after reading this, I, I, I do believe you can be bullish in two or three streaming devices. Just how there is HBO, Stars, Encore, and all these other movie streaming devices that people pay for, you can definitely have multiple streaming devices that you can pay for. They do mention that they don't anticipate these new entrants to affect their growth because the transition from linear to on-demand entertainment is so massive and because of the different nature of their offerings. So they are obviously, Disney and Netflix as a whole are going to be providing different types of originals. And they do mention similar to how U.S. cable networks grew for years um, from broadcast networks during the 1980s and 1990s. They do, they give you an example there. And like I mentioned, right, they have HBO and Showtime have still been on for years. You can see you still pay for them. Um, people are still paying for them, even because they do provide different experience. They do believe that they're, and this right here, this what I'm about to read right now, is the reason I believe you can be bullish for two streaming devices. They believe that their vast demand for there is a vast demand for great um, for watching great TV and movies, and Netflix only satisfies a small portion of that demand. Last quarter, they talked about how their streaming hours in the U.S. So in the U.S., the most mature market they have only represents Netflix, only represents 10% of total TV usage. That is ridiculous. So there's still 90% playroom for Netflix, Apple, and Disney to grow. So the ones that should be worried are the TV network and not Netflix as a whole, in my opinion, right? Because Netflix only plays a 10% role in this. There's still 90% of the market out there for TV usage. So they're like they mentioned, there's still such a huge market for this all these competitors to grow. They do mention in their smaller countries, they, it's even more, more, uh, um, more room to grow. For instance, in Sevine, sorry if I pronounced that country wrong, which is a really small market, they did a really small section. Their mobile down, their mobile streaming is only two percent so right um it's in smaller countries in smaller countries um the consumer is more is more likely watching netflix through an app opposed to a smart tv or or their tv so that that's why they're using 
mobile traffic opposed to PV usage. But here we can see in this small country, uh, not sure how the country is, but their small market and stand being stand fine, stand being. Um, Netflix is only 2% compared to YouTube, which is 37%. There's still a whole, whole world to watch here. And I think this is the final thing I'm going to mention. And it's their cash flow and capital structure. Net cash flow and operating activities for Q1 was a loss of $380 million compared to previous quarters saying last year was negative $37 loss. Free cash flow, like I mentioned, this is not a cash flow I like to follow. The only cash flow I like to follow is cash flow from operating activity. Like I mentioned, this quarter was $380 million compared to the same year last quarter was negative $237 million. They do say that the, the main reason for this increase in gap is because they're driven by their investment in original and self-produced content, where the cash spending is more front-end loaded than for second-run license programming, where cash payments are generally spread over term of the license. They're, they're producing a lot more original content right now, and at the front end, it costs them a lot more, more money, right? Because they have to provide, they have to pay, they have to pay their actors, they have to pay the studio, they have to pay everything. But once they finish paying all of that, they own this uh, content. So they they don't have to pay as much licensing fee. I mean, I'm pretty sure they might still pay some licensing fee depending on, on who the actual producers of anything are. But as a whole, that spread over term license, they don't need a license because it is their original content and they're probably not gonna pay as much money over this term compared to their second run license like some Star Wars shows or other Disney's where they do have to pay a high a high cost but it's spread out over over the license term. So actually now that I think about it that's actually a good thing right originally we're going to start seeing once they have a ton of original content we're going to start seeing them decrease this uh this gap of operating cash flows. In 2019 they expect their cash flow to be higher um, their deficit to be pretty high at 353.5 billion loss um, and due to again higher cash tax related changes to their corporate structure additional investment in real estate and other infrastructure but they do believe in 2020 so not this year next year and each year thereafter that their growth their growing member base and revenues will improve their free cash flow so if we do see a slowdown in their members and revenue will know that for later years, it is gonna be harder for them to improve cash flow. They do not say that they're gonna have a positive cash flow, so that's not one thing they're saying. They say it is gonna improve. They have no change to our plan to use, high, to, to use the high yield market to finance their cash needs. They recently upsized their credit from 500 million to 750 million, which remains undrawn at the same cost and extended the term for 2022 to 2024. Right now we're in the market right now where money is pretty cheap. So they have increased their credit, right? And this credit still remains undrawn, but it remains at the same cost and they extended their their long their term of their their term of their contract of their loan. So again, this is this is definitely 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 great things. Um all right, guys, so that's it for their letters to their shareholders. I did learn a lot from the shareholder letters. I'm glad I read it. I hope it provided you guys with the same information. So make sure to subscribe to my channel to get more information like this. I'm sure it, it's going to help me out um, determining 
um, what to do on Netflix. But right now, I definitely do. I, it definitely has changed my mind. I did believe that Netflix, that Disney was going to take a huge portion of them. But it seems that Netflix is such a small plane. It's, it's such a small, it's very small in the market right now that even Disney entering is not going to affect it much. And know me as myself, I am going to have both Netflix and Disney as a whole. And I'm pretty sure there's some some people that are just going to have Disney as a whole. Um, or just Netflix as a whole. So I don't I don't think this um, Netflix is going to be really affected by the other streaming. Another thing is we're going to take a look at, this is a two-part episode. So the next part, we are going to take a look at their actual numbers to see. Um, to just That would be a quicker video, maybe a 10-minute video, just to see how the numbers are actually looking. But now that we know some of the information of what to expect, that's it, definitely going to help out. I'm determining if I would buy or pass on Netflix. Take care, guys. Remember, don't forget to subscribe and make sure to post on the comments what company you want me to take a look at next. Take care, guys.